Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we had some of your regulars. Martin Kellner had a week of sport on TV, yeah, didn't he? Was, he? Uh, on good form. What uh, else did we do for you? Well, we did a Euro 96 special that you came up with for your friends at Sporting Memory. I really yeah, enjoyed it. It was, yeah. We had, we had some special guests, as you hear, reminiscing, and the listeners weighed in, which we really appreciate. So you'll, we'll, we'll transport you back to the summer of 96. Yeah, hear a bit of Frank Skinner in that. And, yeah. uh, yes, yeah, so we had our bits. We had a, couple we had a bit of a chat about various things. And what else did we like? Uh, I think that is that. Is it really? Oh no, we went. Oh, we yeah. took you back to uh, 2016, the European Championships, <laughs> and a bit of a race between myself and the producer one, and Andy. Yeah, Andy, yeah. not not doesn't come across <laughs> that well. No. Uh, if you're French, you you may not want to listen. A bit like um, the moose, really, but with a sort of posher voice. Yeah. Okay. Here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, you know things are really bad when Vera Lynn re-releases Will Meet Again. It's back We're out, doomed. It? <laughs> it's great to see Vera on Spotify, though. It's going to turn up in a few people's coronavirus uh, playlists, <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, it's I a good, she should do It's a good well. sentiment, to be honest. Yeah. It? But, you know, it does make you think how bad things are. She's 103 today. Isn't that amazing, isn't Tremendous it? Tremendous birthday, Dame Vera. She is yeah, uh, no, she's an absolute... She's listening. She might what? be a big talk sport fan. Don't you remember that? Years and years ago. One of the one of the drivers from mm. EastEnders, uh, we like, we met or he told us we'd seen him somewhere and he said June Jerry, Brown, June Brown and Babs would have Talksport on in the cab. Oh yeah, no, when they were Jerry, being taken to Elstree. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm. And we thought, oh God bless them. Yeah, so you'll be surprised who's listening. Maybe well, that's absolutely turn true. it up nice and loud for Dame Vera. I would be surprised. She's in great Vera, nick. There was a picture of her with her yeah. daughter the other day, and her daughter's yeah. older than you. She's playing five aside tonight. No, she's not. She's no, she's not. <laughs> and neither should anybody else. There's oh, yeah, another Andy. matter altogether. Uncle Andy, yeah. Now uh, I did the same thing today in the Lewis. I did yesterday. It must be an age thing. I mean, yeah. Where's this going? No, no, it's fine. I did the same. Same thing in the loo that I did yesterday. It must be an age thing. Well, you'll hear in a minute. I arrived. Do we need a cleaning team going no, you in don't there? need a cleaning okay, team. Okay, fair enough. I arrived and I did the thing that you do when you've been out and about and you come inside. <laughs> I washed my hands. 
I washed I'm, my hands. I'm with you, The yeah. full 20 seconds. Hmm. Got, but of course, the sound of the running water made me want to go to the loo. So then I had to go to the loo, you go to go the loo back. and then wash my hands you again. You could be there for hours, <laughs> couldn't you? The sound of the running water <laughs> made me want to go to the loo. Well, when you're a kid, you do that with kids, don't you? If you want them to go to the loo, you just turn the tap on it. Seems yeah. Work they used to put that little evil trick, didn't they? People <laughs> who had a few t- too many drinks and they were lying down, you'd put a bit of water on their arm or their hand and they would, yeah. they would wet themselves. Yeah, it's kind a, of stag do bants. Bants. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. No. Uh, football ace Cristiano Ronaldo has basically teamed up with Yamamai Lingerie for Father's Day in Italy. Nice. Uh, and there's a photo of him in his pants. Uh, can I just say that I'm not remotely interested in Cristiano Ronaldo's underwear? <laughs> well, uh, he, not at this point or any other point. I mean, I think there's plenty of people out there who are. Uh, well, I suppose there are, yeah. yeah. So Even not, if you're I'm, not. I'm not one of them, so I wouldn't, I, I'm not suggesting he doesn't do it. Uh, now, last night, I, yeah. uh, I discovered that uh, BT Sport, um, very well done to them, BT Sport 2, yes. for all your sports documentary needs. Right, yeah, yeah. I just went right through the next, uh, they're all through the night, but you can just set them on your planner. Brilliant. All the 30 for 30s, I've seen a lot of them, but I'm, some of them I think I'll see again because they're really terrific, and I, I do recommend them. They're, I feel like I've seen them all because we speak to Martin Kelly yeah, every Friday. I definitely haven't seen them all. There's a couple yeah. I found that I haven't. There's a couple. There's one about the origins of basketball I have seen, but it's really yeah, I've seen brilliant. that one as well. It's, it's very good. So yeah, um, mm. and then I f- finished watching the uh, Forest uh, documentary. Yeah, I believe in I miracles. Believe in Johnny miracles. Owens one. Yeah, remember that? And was it very Colin good. Farmer, the left back? Was he? I didn't catch his name. It was Colin. I didn't catch his last name. I should have mm. done really ridiculous, but I didn't. But there's a wonderful moment in it when he sh- sh- talks about the fact that his wife he'd never watched his goal, and in one of the, I think in the final. And his wife basically was recording, recorded J.R. Ewing over it. So you see that J.R. Ewing being shot in Dallas, and then you see basically Colin's goal disappearing. Oh, it's really? A fantastic moment in the film. But uh, John Robertson, what a player oh, yeah. he was. Amazing, really. They all said he had no pace, but he just breezed past people. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. A brilliant crosser of the ball, wasn't he? And, you know, it's, it's said often, but the, it is shocking when you look at the pitches, you know, and just think... It was an advantage, really, for the really skillful players, actually. Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, I think it's also a documentary tonight. Martin Kellner will have more of this when we speak to him later. When English football ruled. So mm. I think that, that might be quite fun as well. Uh, what else? Is it Colin Barrett you were thinking of? Yes. Yes, OK. Colin yeah, Barrett, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, our neighbours last night. I think Dramatic. It was very we dramatic. spoke to Dr. Carl yesterday and uh, very I dramatic. think we know who uh, Goner number two is in Neighbours this week. Oh, right. Yeah, you've... Yeah. Yeah. I sort of worked it out, and uh, I like that character. Now, it's a shame. What we're asking you for, just uh, just a reminder, we mentioned this yesterday, and we've put it on social media. Um, we're going to wallow in a bit of nostalgia. I'm I'm a proud patron of Sporting Memories Network, who work with people through Sporting Reminiscence. Those that have uh, reminiscence, shall I say, that have mm. uh, dementia and. Uh, struggling with loneliness, uh, etc. That's so much for me. Yeah, and and for the elderly, they all come together in little sports groups and they they wallow in sports. Sport was a great outlet. They talk about sports. They share memories of of, uh, sport gone by, different sports, not just uh, football. But we thought, with the group suspended uh, currently at the moment, sadly, and understandably, that we would have a bit of a sporting memory session for half an hour from... uh, 2.30. 2.30. So we're asking for your memories of Euro 96. I'm going to take you back to a very happy time, generally, for the nation. Um, and so we'll take you back to um, Euro 96. We want your memories of that, whatever walk of life, whether you're working at it, watching it as a fan in any capacity, anywhere around the world, uh, your tales. And we'll do it in the company of two of the main protagonists of that tournament. One, Frank Skinner, 
who of course was uh, part of uh, Frank Dave and the Lightning season three lines, the kind of anthem of the year, although not number one throughout the whole of the yeah, tournament. I've, I've Something we'll that. come on yeah, to yeah, later. Uh, Motti will join us as well. Uh, key to those big commentary moments during the tournament, and of course you at Talksport.com. Text eight ten eighty nine. Tweet to TSHNJ. Squeeze you in on the phone if you've got a good story. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four. We'll do that between two thirty and three o'clock this afternoon. Have our own little sporting memories session in their absence. So that's all to come. Lovely. Uh, the Ronaldinho story is incredible. Mm. This story. We spoke to Tim Vickery about it. I'm sure you've all read it. He now faces another six months behind bars. Yeah. This is such a strange case, isn't it? Because he didn't need... He didn't even need to do this. We were told the other day he didn't even need to have a kind of uh, a, a, a hooky passport. But there's one bit in it, and Nick Parker's report in The Sun today, where he's so South Latin American this. His defence was dealt a blow when a businesswoman who fixed his book launch trip to the South American country failed to show up in court. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> really useful for him. It's bad though, really, because yes. he's a great player, and I, I don't know what he. I can't see what he. It seems more stupidity than anything else. But uh, anyway, he looks like he's going to be stuck there for about six months. Oh, it's mad! It is a mad tale. Um, and uh, anything pe- else? People are still getting engaged. Congratulations well, to. Well, so you know, why not? Yeah, yeah. They I mean, might maybe, put it off. It may be. These are the kind of moments in life that that are the catalyst for this kind yeah, of thing. It makes you realise, doesn't well, it? Well, that's very puts, true. Puts yeah. things in perspective. That's a very it? good point. Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, congratulations to Mr. D.P. Combs and Miss C. M.C. Word. Not paper. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. that would not be Maureen good. Paper. <laughs> that would be, be fantastic, wouldn't it? It's yeah. not Maureen Paper. It's Miss C M no C M C Wordy. C M C Wordy. That's a bit wordy. Isn't poet it? and DJ M C Wordy. Yeah, I like. Incredible. I'm a big fan of M C Wordy. He's very <laughs> good. He's too. the poet DJ. He is very good, isn't he? <laughs> he is yeah. very good. But anyway, congratulations. It's great how the players are d- dealing with uh, self isolation and, mm. and filling in the hours when they're not training and going into the club. Nicholas Otamendi is he's basically making airfix mod. Is he? You see, you didn't see the pictures today. He's done his own Bugatti. He's built his own Bugatti. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> well done, Arts and crafts are back. Oh, well, that's fantastic! He's got the old glue on. out, and I would imagine he's sticking it all, gets all over his fingers, all over the. He's probably ruined about a ten grand designer. Uh, to, I hope he put some newspaper down. Yeah, well, he might have done. Did you ever get into that, Andy? The Airfix model. Did you was, ever do any of that sort of stuff? I, I imagine... I didn't know... The, the you're quite is, arty these days, but... I'm arty, but I'm not yeah. crafty. And uh, <laughs> I'm not... I'm very, that sounds like a line from an Ian Jury song, <laughs> doesn't it? It probably is. Uh, the only time I can remember, I had a, I had one of those model kits. Yeah. I think I might have told this story before, but never mind. I'm sure that won't be the first time I do this. And uh, I had a new blazer, school blazer. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, I decided to... To, to tackle this task, wearing the new blazer, right? And I put the, <laughs> what could possibly go I put wrong? The pin in the glue, the glue went all over the, myself, went all over oh, the no. blazer, and uh, and then of course I had to hide it from my mum. You, know, you so, hid the new blazer from so your mum. I kept wearing the old blazer, and she kept saying, "Why are you wearing the old blazer?" I said, "Oh, it's a nice fit. I like it." <laughs> Eventually, of course, I ran out of time. Where did um, where did they uh, where did they find the new blazer? Did you hidden it stuffed in well, the back no, of a cupboard somewhere? Me up, but you know, eventually I had to admit what had happened. But, oh right, uh, yeah, it was fine. Fessed up, and what, what, they what didn't happened? Beat me. Oh, okay, well, they, they were different times. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job you told us that because that that, <laughs> that could have happened. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny <clears> we were talking <throat> about that with my kids. Yeah. Uh, my, one of my boys popped over last night yeah. to give me a, a, um, a safety mask for the yeah. journey. It was very nice of you, actually. Andy, <laughs> uh, you've, your mask is quite. Have you got it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Can we get a? I mean, oh, Andy, it's not they're not for him the the, the Waffer Finn um, <laughs> yeah. surgical mask. Andy's mask is uh, like an ice hockey, about like him. an ice hockey keeper. <laughs> can we have a? Can you do? Yeah, of course, I'll do a picture. Wear it for us. We'll have a couple yeah, yeah. of pictures. Okay. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. We do have racing at Dundalk uh, this afternoon behind yeah. closed doors, and we brought you a live commentary yesterday. And Rupert Bell did a marvelous job. Uh, yeah. It's a two o'clock race, but with the news being so important, we won't bring it to you live. We'll bring it to you as live at about three or four minutes past two. But that doesn't stop us all having a little bit of fun. Just What's the name all... of it? It's got a good name, isn't it? Oh, well, Rupert Bell joins us now to explain. Nice. Hi, Rupert. Hey, good afternoon, chaps. Yes, uh, another great named race. Uh, I think it's Mother's Day at the weekend, isn't it? So we've got Love Your Mum at the race's weekend median auction race. Beautiful. So, you know, um, not that your mums can go racing at the moment, but no. uh, and, and Dundalk, it's a lovely sunny day there. Uh, there's a, you know, uh, but the thing is, and as, as Ed was just saying, the show is on the road and, um, you know, race titles do take on a, a new level of um, creativity at various stages. But uh, it, it, I'm delighted that we actually do have some horse racing to enjoy throughout the afternoon mm. and under. And I have been looking at the coverage from Dundalk and to see the, uh, you know, to be serious, the, the, the measures that have taken place, like jockeys, if they're riding in the first race, and don't have a ride to the end, well, then they're told to get out of the weighing room and then just sit in their own cars. They are, and they, everyone had to travel on their own to the race course. So they've really tried to bring in sort of, you know, very strong guidelines to ensure that racing can go ahead. Because not only in, in, in Ireland, 30,000 people are directly or indirectly employ, employed in the sport. And so for Ireland, it's a huge deal. But clearly, and you can see the pictures you know, everyone, even connections, no owners are allowed, but trainers in the main seem to be standing two metres away from their jockeys yeah. and everything. So there's very strict guidelines, which the Irish, the, the people at Dundalk seem to be adhering to. So while it is, um, you know, it's but, you know, hopefully people can enjoy that the sport is happening and we have a good race. Because, we do. Um, you know, it's actually the big race of the day. Henry de Bromhead's got a runner in it. Um, he was, of course, featuring prominently along with Rachel Blackmore last week at Cheltenham, but he does have the odd flat horses. The O'Brien brothers, Donica and Joseph, are training a couple of horses in this race as well. So in terms of quality, it's not the worst race of the day. So I'm delighted to be bringing you it as, as live. And hopefully the colours that I have in front of me bear resemblance <laughs> to the ones out in the race. Well, look, give us the runners and riders. Give us, well, give us the runners, certainly, so people well, can just get well, on a name. Yeah, the, 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 the good thing was I did have a choice, but the producer did want me to cover a race from Jebel Ali, but I can't find that on the telly, so I would right. have been really scuppered to do that Yeah, one. that might have been but, tricky. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but there's only six runners, which is another reason why I've chosen this race. Okay. Uh, Air Club is number one. Air That's Club. trained by Henry de Bromhead. Yeah. Flower Garland is trained by uh, Donica O'Brien, uh, like could be one of the favourites. Point Rays. Uh, trained by Gavin Cromwell, who's also had festival winners. Strip Light yeah. is number four. Line Judge is number five. And Linda's Grace, probably the outsider, uh, is number six. So okay. those are our six runners for the feature race, the Love Your Mum at the Races Maiden something or other. So anyway. <laughs> Air Club, Line Judge. From Andy, you've got to be on Line Judge. You love tennis. No, I'm it's your favourite game. No, no, I'm isn't thinking it? of Chris Garland, the old Chelsea oh, the old Chelsea striker. and Bristol yeah, City striker. player, yeah, Chris Flower, Flower Garland. Flower you're Garland. On, are you? Okay, well, uh, the one sport, yes. the one sport Andy is not complaining that is shut down completely is tennis. <laughs> well, yeah. I take is it, that right? 
You'll That's go line judge, true. Rupert, because you do love tennis. I'll go strip I, light because it'll take me back to being a kid and rather naughtily doing Star Wars with them. Uh, don't try that at home, kids. <laughs> really, don't try that at home. <laughs> we run a big game. You shouldn't have done it, That's really. So, um, so anyway, whatever you fancy. Um, so anyway, if, which one you fancy? Get on this air club, line judge, flower garland, point raise, strip light. Linda's Grace might be. Linda might be the missus. Grace might be the missus, but it is a long shot at a hundred to one. <laughs> they're uh, both not. We'll bring you the race. We'll bring. Yeah, any bigger miss out there? Oh, seven one seven. We'll bring you the race. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Uh, I think we can bring you. Oh, okay. I think we can bring you yes. this slightly delayed um, two o'clock from uh, Dundalk. I feel I know what's going to happen, but uh, do you really? I won't you, give it, I won't you won't. That's not spoiler you, don't, alert. No spoiler alert. Fantastic. <laughs> we hope you all picked up your runner and rider. <laughs> Air club, line judge, flower garland, point raise, strip light, and Linda's grace. Uh, take your pick. Here we go. Take it away, Rupert. They're all in then for the two o'clock. The feature race on the Dundalk card being run under brilliant sunny skies. And the early leader is Flower Garland, who's got strip light for company in this one mile contest on the all weather at the Irish track. And this duo leading by a length from in a third spot air club, trained by Henry de Bromhead. On the outside of that one is Line Judge and the back markers of Linda's Grace and Point Reyes. That's the one, two, to three, to six, and no more than four lengths covering this sextet of runners as they've gone through the first couple of furlongs. And still out in front is Strip Light, leading by a length as they come down the uh, back straight here at Dondalk. And uh, still leading then is Strip Light for company. Taking a keen hold is the unraced filly, Linda's Grace, just uh, not quite settling at the moment on the outside as they make the turn into the straight. Still leading is Strip Light by a length as a line of four horses including a flower garden poised to strike him behind along with Air Club another one 
just trying to move into a strong position on the outside of our leaders. They now move into the straight, and the race is on earnest now. And still leading this strict light from half a length back is Air Club. Then Flower Garland coming up. Get going Flower Garland, then your horse. Also going very nice at the moment. This point race could pick up and challenge at the moment. But now the race really going to work on the leader is is the jockey on strict light. Strict light just has the advantage, but coming on the outside and making a good run is Air Club for Henry de Bromhead uh, and Wayne Lorden oh. and Air Club picks it up and has gone a length clear and picking up now is Point Race trying to make a challenge drifting over to his left is uh, uh, the, the Air Club at the moment but holding on at the moment and actually lengthening away really impressively this looks like a good horse in the making for Henry de Bromhead more known for his jumpers but he can produce a good one on the flat and he's definitely got one that could shape up into a decent horse as Air Club makes it two from two didn't slow up though at the yeah. end of the race. The horses are still running I, I at the same it. pace they ran the race, which is a bit odd, isn't I, it? I love Henry de Bromhead's jumpers. <laughs> Cashmere. <laughs> Very v -neck. He loves them, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, the sound effects are tremendous. It's like the archers. Yeah. Oh, here comes all Bartleby. <laughs> Incredible. So there we are. Live. Well done, Rupert. Not the actual, obviously, not the actual effects from the race. We no, did, really. We did have to <laughs> improvise. But thank you, Rupert. What Top work. We'll bring you. Uh, we'll bring you more. Like, when's the football back? We'll bring you more live racing uh, uh, over, the, over the coming just years. A, just a bit of fun. Yeah, the coming years. Um, so also uh, coming up a little bit later on, Martin Kellner, the week of sport on TV. Uh, yes. From uh, he says possibly the first radio broadcast ever from Wakefield. He's claiming. <laughs> oh right. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll be chatting. He's to... got the proper equipment. I'm looking forward oh, to yeah, hearing. He's, he's, he's not. He's, remember that really expensive headset he bought to do the show with? It <laughs> didn't really work out. Oh, yeah. It's Money rubbish. down the drain. Anyway, Martin will join us later on. <laughs> Tom Macklin from the states. We haven't caught up with him this week. It's been a big story in American sport today, yeah, of course, involving absolutely. Tom Brady and Mike Ward. If you fancy watching a bit of telly this weekend, he'll tell you. Uh, beyond the sport, what is worth watching. Plus clips of the week will bring you as well. And our little sporting reminiscence in around 20 minutes. But before that, Andy... Yes, I'm still searching for these little stories that they are disappearing, really. But this one's good. <clears throat> Police <clears throat> raised £214 by auctioning off a pair of Christian Louboutin shoes they'd seized from cro crooks, not crocs. Yeah. <laughs> crooks. Seized from crocs. They, they weren't crocs, were they? They weren't crocs at all. No. <laughs> they were <clears throat> not Garth <clears throat> crooks. They weren't crocs. They were Louboutins. You're right. Yes. And and uh, the Cheshire Police for all your high fashion shoe needs. I thought it yeah. was quite good. Cities could be self-sufficient in fruit and veg by growing them in gardens and on road verges. Uh, a group from Sheffield University found it. Would that be by next week? Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> possibly. Who knows? Yeah. And this headline in the Times, it's a good piece, this, but it's probably not the timing of it. I think they could have saved it a bit. The headlines, the secret of happiness, question mark. Being outdoors. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not ideal, well, is you it? you can. At the moment, you can you know, be outdoors. Well, you know, you've been outdoors as long as you, you know, give yourself a bit of distance. I mean, you know, dogs have still got to be walked. Oh, that's true. Um, and that, that may become more complicated in time, but at the moment, it, you know, if you don't get too close to people and you give yourself a bit of space. It, oh, yeah. It's a very uplifting thing. You need, need a bit of vitamin D if you can get it, of course. No, absolutely true. Now, um, I was telling you, just about, I teased it earlier in yes. the show, but we were watching the uh, neighbours, the wedding, because they're in two sections, yeah. the, the weddings and the deaths, and deaths are at 10 o'clock, weddings at 5.30, take your choice. And uh, we were watching the wedding one, mm. and there was a sort of romantic moment where Des gets down on one knee and he proposes to Jane, and she says yes. Yeah. And Sue turned around to me and said to me, can you come and propose to me now on one knee? I mean, what are we talking about? She said, no, no, you, you never proposed to me properly. 
when we were young. I said, no, well, I, did, I did. And so she said, no, you didn't, not on one knee. And actually, I do remember, we were in my mate's car. Yes. And she was sitting, it was a two-seater. She was sitting on my lap. In the other days, you could do that sort of daft thing that you, yeah. you'd never do now. But And, uh, and basically, I, we pulled up somewhere. And I, I don't know why, but I felt that was the time to say to her, will you marry me? And then I opened the door to get out, and I just fell out the car. <laughs> you fell out the I car? I fell out the car, honestly, into the street. Wow, that's brilliant. brilliant. I should have known, really, at yeah. that point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So are you, what, are you, what are you going to do it properly? I, I'll have I've a go. I've got to be honest, mine, uh, mine, yeah. was, uh, mine was a, wasn't a, was a down on one knee. Mine was always a bit, a bit matter of you fact. You said a letter. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 just, it wasn't. It, it was a telex. No, it wasn't. But, you know, we just sort of, it just sort of happened. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't I know. at the top of the Eiffel These Tower. These days, don't they, people... I didn't fall know. out of a car, though. No. But I noticed, though, with my kids and other people, that proposals... Firework have, displays. Yeah, yeah they've yeah, become yeah. More, more... You know, people can tell us about some of their more yeah. elaborate ones, if they like. I'm sure they're better than falling out of a car, I always say, fact. look, we're still together, you're still together. <laughs> yeah, there may well, not have been firework displays and bells and whistles, but, true. hey, look, what's, what matters more? Well, that's That's very, the way I very, sell it. Very good that's the way point. I sell it, anyway, <laughs> than about you. Sounds like I'll try that tonight. Like we're on slightly <laughs> rocky ground. Yeah, that's right. And a young deer was cut free from netting in hearts. Better than an old deer. <laughs> that's great, isn't it? It's good news. I'm not sure it should be in the newspaper, but there you go. I'm very pleased for him. Yeah, that's good. Uh, how is the young deer? You got, got any updates? No, no updates. It's obviously, was free from netting, so it's fine now. I don't know how did that get in the papers, but there you go. Well, uh, I got quite emotional there. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did, did you really? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. We're going to take you back to 2016 and the European uh, Championships in France. Uh, we were based in Nice and we decided we wanted to go to Monaco. I'd never we been... We were invited by that's David right, we Coulthard's were, David Hotel. David Coulthard's Hotel very kindly invited us to, to come along and, uh, and have a drink and have a chat. So we, uh, we decided that we'd find different modes of transport to get there for reasons which will now become apparent. <laughs> So the race is on, Andy. You're getting a cab to the station, then you're going to get a train to Monaco. We're going to get a cab to the airport and then get in the helicopter and see who gets to the place first. Yeah, it's all a bit ill-fated, though, because uh, we tried to order two cabs and mine isn't here, so I've got to yeah. somehow scramble around for one. Got to catch the uh, six minutes past six train. Uh, the producer isn't even downstairs. I don't no. know what's happened to him. Here he is. He's <laughs> oh, here, here he comes. So, okay. Uh, okay, well, good luck with yours. Looking very Monaco. He is very looking very Monaco. Well, look, good luck with yours. Thank you. Uh, well, I don't mean that because I want to win the race. But okay, uh, uh, we will catch up with you. See you tomorrow. Time. Yeah. Good luck then. We'll see you soon. Yeah, cheers. No idea how Andy's doing at the moment. He was going to go around the corner and try and find a cab to get him to the train station so he could meet the seven minutes past six to Monaco. It's only about a 20 minute run. We've encountered a little bit of traffic here and we've got to be there you know, 20 minutes before the, uh, the helicopter takes off. So uh, we're sweating on it. Fingers crossed we should be okay. Of course, I can't really find a taxi. I've just got in a lift that's gone up to the yeah. first floor and that's going back down to the second floor or the ground floor. No, apparently it is up. It's more up. <laughs> really, honestly. Now, I went to a place that was signposted that said taxis. I said, is this a taxi? They went, no, it's not here. What the... Hell, it's a t- sign saying it is then. 
Okay, I've arrived at the station. Very nice man. He gave me a lithium taxi driver, complimented me on my French. God knows why, because I kept speaking Spanish. But uh, now all I've got to do is find the ticket machine and get a ticket. I've got about 13 minutes before I have to catch the train. I've got to find the platform and all that sort of thing that goes with train travel. Well, we've arrived at the airport, but we're running a bit late, so we're hoping we're going to be okay to get the helicopter. And he's having problems at the train station, he tells. Can't get a ticket. None of them. A ticket machine works. And he's using some choice words about the very unhelpful staff there. What a surprise. Everybody's so unbelievably unhelpful. The woman on the information couldn't have been ruder if she tried. None of the ticket machines work. Nobody knows what they're doing. And I'm definitely going to miss this train because these people are So we had a little incident there where they said they wouldn't potentially let us fly without passports even though it's a 10 minute helicopter trip and we're in the same country. Um, they finally let us go on driver's licenses. But Andy, I think he's still having problems at the train station and threatening to go home unless someone gives him help in the next five minutes. Uh, so we have found we have a little bit of time on our hands. So uh, can, do you recognise this noise? Oh, yes. It's time for a quick one before we board the chopper. This is the life. And cut to Andy at the moment, effing and jeffing all the French rail staff, I guess. Well, that was possibly the most frustrating 20 minutes of my life. These people could not be more unhelpful if they tried. Talk about who you know don't want people to come to your country. Really, couldn't buy a ticket. Uh, I went to buy a ticket, and basically they uh, they said, "Oh no, you haven't queued up with the right tickets." So I had to go back and queue up for another ticket, and there was nothing, no sign of my ticket ever coming due. So then I went back to the machine. Finally, worked out how to get the uh, the machine to work. Then I went to the information. They basically sort of dismissed me in a sort of incredibly dismissive way. Honestly, if, what's the point of having a tourist board if you've got people working for you? Like, absolute, ah, can't think of the word without swearing. Really are pitiful. I've traveled all over the world and I've never seen service like this. Blimey, it makes uh, Network Southwest seem like uh, the Orient Express. We're still sitting here waiting for our bus to take us out to the helicopter. Andy is now on the train and hurtling along by the sea, having a great time. His mood has changed quite spectacularly in the last 10 minutes. What a surprise. And he looks very much on to win the race. But having said that, he's got about 11, 12 minutes in a cab. He's got to get a cab at the train station, then get there. We've only got 10 minutes in the helicopter once we do take off. Going to be touch and go, but I think he might just nick it. Well, after all that, it turned out that I actually bought a ticket for tomorrow. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? But I finally found a really nice guy, the guard of this train and uh, he told me what to do it's, it's only five euros and uh, i've got on the train anyway and i uh, just got to buy a ticket from him when he comes around and it is just one stop so hopefully i will be on my way pretty soon so we're in a bus uh, just gone through you have to go through airport security as you would normally to get on the helicopters here so we're on our way to the helicopter from the bus onto the runway all very exciting all feel very, we feel very important even though we're clearly we're not right pair of chances. Andy, by the way, is loving the train ride like an old man, looking out the window, looking at the sea. He's having a great time. One of the advantages of going by train, especially this train, is it's one of the great train journeys of the world. It is absolutely beautiful. It travels right along the Mediterranean. Beautiful view of Nice. It's absolutely fabulous. So uh, much better than going by helicopter. Uh, just gone through Beaulieu-sur-Mer, where Sir Alex Ferguson stays at, the, stays at the Hotel Grand Reserve. It's one of the hotels of the world. I couldn't afford to stay there. It's an absolute fortune. He goes there every year for a month. Right, just walking onto the helicopter now. 
he has won it easily. We've not even taken off. We missed the first chopper, that's what it was, but I don't mind losing the race. I'm just looking forward to the ride. I don't have any, it's the only thing I have. I don't have any. Okay, no problem, thank you. Okay, thanks very much. There you go, I've, got a free, I've dropped on here because I've got a free ticket, even though I bought a ticket for tomorrow. <laughs> I've, uh, I only had a 50 euro note and it's five euros, so he couldn't be bothered and he felt sorry for me, so I've got a free ride. So we're underway and we're in the air. I don't know if you can hear this because uh, obviously we're in a helicopter, which doesn't help. But uh, just crossing the, uh, the sea now on our way to Monaco. Okay, here I am, just arriving at Monaco. It's a little bit noisy, as you can hear, but uh, after a lovely, but short, beautiful train ride alongside the coast. So in, in one way, it was worth it, but thank you. Now I've got to get to the hotel. Well, I've arrived at the station. I've come out the station. I finally found where the taxis are, but of course, there are no taxis here whatsoever. You have to ring for one, and then the guy at the other end, you asked him, it was a taxi piece, and said, yes, I, I can't tell you when it's going to be. <laughs> you can't tell you, it'll be half an hour, 10 minutes. No, they can't tell you. Honestly, so I'm at the station. I don't know where the hotel is. I don't know where we're supposed to be meeting. I don't know what time the bloke's going to be coming. And uh, honestly, it's like a third world country. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for them. Holy blow me. The uh, taxi did finally arrive, which is fine. But why not just say it's arriving? Why say, oh, I can't tell you if it's going to be half an hour, 10 minutes, and it's actually there in two minutes? Ridiculous, what an attitude. Just seen the sign for the uh, hotel where we're meeting. Ah, oh, I think I'm here. And I see the sign for the heliports in the other direction. So, oh, and I am here. So basically, let's be honest, train beats helicopter. Okay, I've arrived and I'm at the hotel. I'm just going for the bar while I wait for the others to arrive. Hoping to bump into Dame Shirley Bassey who lives here for a quick uh, swift half with Dame Shirley. So we've arrived in the bar at the Columbus Hotel, the meeting point, and oh no, he's already there sipping the rosé, the big glass of rosé. What can I say? Congratulations. We missed the first chopper out of Saigon, which meant we had to wait for the next one. So, uh, but yours was a fairly fraught journey, apparently. Well, <laughs> just a touch as you're here, yeah. it was uh, honestly it's just so unhelpful. It's you know, and I've travelled a lot all around the world, but really, anyways, you're here. I wasn't impressed. Yeah, well, it was ours was pretty easy going. Except we had the half hour wait. Without a half hour wait, I thought we might have uh, done it. But we had a lovely helicopter flight over the sea past one of the cruise ships, swoop down, and they put you in a little luxury mini bus and bring you around here. There was uh, two Italian businessmen. They look, you know, they look like they meant to be there, not like us, a pair of blaggers. So my story was going to be that uh, our producer David was in a boy band and I was his manager. But we never got around to having that conversation, so. Uh, anyway, guys, meet Dame Shirley, Dame Shirley Bassey. Dame Shirley Bassey, Dame Shirley, great to see you. This is David, he's in a boy band, I'm his manager. This is some mad bloke who swears at <laughs> rail staff in France. Well, cheers, well done. Cheers. <laughs> Here we are. I Just, put, I I think, like, it was like moose at times, wasn't it? It really was. dreadful. It God, was a real a kind of window on the kind of uh, peaks and troughs of your life. What you can be like from one minute to the next when you're on tour with him. He's just like, it's like a third world country. I've travelled all over the world. You like Dame Shirley what Bassey. A yeah. <laughs> You've changed a lot since then, though, Andy, oh, no, in the yes. four years. Oh, yeah, you're really. a very different man oh, now. Yes. You're much more level headed. Yeah, really. So there we are. We may uh, dig out a few more memories along the way over the next few weeks. The Hawksby and Jacob. Daily podcast from Talk Sport.
we're not creative enough, and we're not positive it's enough. Coming home, it's coming home, it's coming football's coming home. We'll go on getting back, so I'm getting back, so I'm getting back, so I'm getting back. Majestically past Andy Gorham. Sheringham! It gets better and better and better. Well, look at this for character. Stuart Pearce trying to cleanse his soul, if you like, from 1990. And he has done. That means everything to Pearce. England again suffer the torment of losing in a penalty competition in a semi-final to the Germans. Yes, David Did we have Man- to play that bit? <laughs> Couldn't well, we have that last bit out? It's the story, isn't it, Walton? and all. David Malley's been in touch and he sent us a picture. He said, this brings to mind that Andy Moller pose, that slightly arrogant, hands-on hips oh, yeah, pose yeah, after absolutely. he scored. Very punchable at that particular moment. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, if you're listening. Uh, anyway... Uh, joining us now to uh, reflect on uh, a memorable time for uh, him. Andy, of course, was working alongside our next guest on yeah. Fantasy Football at the time. Frank Skinner joins us. Hi, Frank. Hello. So I still get the old goosebumps listening to that stuff. You know again. what? I really did. And the funny thing is, I think I get more goosebumps from listening to the football than I do listening to the song. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a question for you, Frank, and uh, this is from Bob in our broth. He, he's, he's seen you 55 times live. I'm not joking. He has, wow. He's a real fan. But he says, I've always wanted to ask Frank what it was like for him in the crowd at Wembley that day at Euro 96 when the whole stadium spontaneously sang three lines for the very first time. I was at home with tears in my eyes when everyone started singing it was the happiest moment of my sporting life so he said I'm very interested to hear what it was like for Frank at that time well I mean there were two things about it one that the seats that they'd given us for that game were sort of center on the halfway line just in front of the press box so the whole stadium was laid out before us like it was a in a theater I mean it was all just there and we were obviously excited that England had, had beat Scotland. And we were excited that they were playing the song. But at that point, the, the, the crowd didn't really sing along. Uh, you know, football songs traditionally, I, I think, and this is still the case, they do well, but people don't sing them. What mm. people sing and what people listen to are completely separate. And that was the first time in my memory. You know, I don't remember anyone at uh, 66 uh, in, at that final singing uh, Lonnie Donegan's <laughs> World Cup with it. Definitely not. And so it was that moment when it became a, a, a terrorist song. And I just watched it. And it was something that just happened there is that, that England fans had stopped taking Union Jacks and started taking Across uh, St George. I think they finally worked out they were accidentally supporting uh, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. <laughs> And that all those crosses of St George going, the song playing, everybody singing it, obviously something that 
um, I, you know, barring illness, I will never ever forget. Mm. The uh, did you not think when you and Dave and <clears throat> Ian had finished the song? Did you? Did anybody ever say in the studio? Well, you know what? I think they might sing along to that. Did you think it was quite anthemic? But you're saying you didn't think that would necessarily be the case. No, we. Um, I remember being very blasé about the fact that it would be a number one because <laughs> it was it was the England, you know, World Cup song, mm. and I I sort of sensed it was a good song. There, you get a bit close to things. You know, I actually found out. I, I went to San Francisco uh, a couple of weeks before the tournament with with my girlfriend at the time. And when I got in, there were flowers from my manager, right? And and a card that said, um, "Straight in at number one, fifty-six thousand units sold." Oh wow, way! Um, not the most romantic announcement. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just can't think of it ever happening before that they they sing uh, on the terraces a song that um, is also in the chart. You, know. mm. you were number one, and then you dropped from number one, uh, and then came back. Obviously, as England started to do well, to number one. Do you remember the song that that usurped you for a while? I think was it the Fugees? It was. Let's confirm that. Ooh, this was well the done. song. Yeah, the old Roberta Flack song. Oh, the crowd would be singing along with this. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> well, if, England had, if England had bombed, this would have been number you know, one when, for an extra few weeks. When Gareth Southgate uh, scored, I think Killing Me Softly with his song probably would have been a more apposite <laughs> thing. Yeah, what if they'd sung that? It would have been fantastic. <laughs> my, my main memory is, well, two things really, is Gaza's miss, you know, the chance, not the miss. Ball the coming chance, across the in the Germany game, Darren Anderson. And then yeah. having, because I think it was on the Wednesday, wasn't it, we had to do the show on the Thursday. We had this again in the 98 World Cup, but this thing of having to pick yourself up to do, a, harder for you and Dave, of course, but to do a comedy show, you know, at that point was pretty tricky. Yeah, and I think I've got a bit more hardened to it as I've got older, um, losing football matches, <laughs> but I remember being, I mean, so horrified by that. I remember I, I, I was at the stadium, obviously, and Southgate had missed. And we walked down the stairs and a guy came up to me and said, uh, where do you get the clips from on Fantasy Football? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Great question. It was, I mean, it was one of the most profoundly tragic things because... Everything was so perfect. The weather was great. The, you know, the song was just the right song for the thing. England were playing brilliantly. Mm. It was all set. You know, I have, I have to admit, I have lain awake still and still do and think, what would it have been like if we'd have won that and gone on and won the final? You know, how would it have been? Yeah. Well, great, I think. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> well, there wouldn't have been that massive riot in Trafalgar Square. I suppose. No, that, that that probably would have uh, probably would have helped. Yeah. And do you ever watch any of it back? Do you ever do you, do you ever kind of reminisce to that extent? Do you ever go back and watch some of the games or the highlights? I watched quite recently because um, you know when you get a sort of a do you ever get this? You get an ache for a goal mm. that you haven't seen for a long time. Funnily, it wasn't an England goal. It was um, Carol Paborski's goal for Czech Republic against Portugal. Yeah, I was, was at that the game. Most incredible lob, the sort of lob that you dream about doing when you think of lobbing a goalkeeper. Yeah. It went high, 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 and then uh, dropped in perfectly. And, and I still, 
weirdly, Poborski is is a, a figure I very much associate with that tournament. It used to be a thing before we had so many overseas players in the Premier League that every international tournament would be a time to discover all these talents that you hadn't heard mm, anything about. But football's more of a global village now, so we tend to know who's coming, you know. Well, Frank, uh, lovely to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for joining Thanks us. We much, appreciate Frank. it. We will catch up with you soon. It's my pleasure. I'll, 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 I'll talk to you about it on the uh, 112th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Frank. Thanks very Cheers, much. Guys. There we are. Frank Skinner there, remembering yeah. Euro 96. Uh, I was at that game, Carol Poborski. I went to that match. Uh, it was at Villa Park. Wow. Uh, did you? I took in a few games, apart from the England games, although I'll come on to that in a minute. Um, I saw the first game, the Liverpool-Czech Republic game at, at Anfield which was a great night as well you, that first night at I Anfield mean Liverpool. Liverpool, no, no, Liverpool Czech, at Anfield um, uh, Italy versus the Czech Republic sorry and they beat Italy yeah. so it was two things it was the atmosphere around Anfield in the pubs it was really special it was a lovely vibe and you mm. thought this is going to be a great oh, the whole thing the, the Holland yeah. game I, had, I didn't go to any of the games because I had to log them and watch them yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. the show but, uh, and went to that one yeah. at Villa Park I went to, the only England game I missed was uh, the Holland game uh, I was uh, typically well, I was in Manchester one of England Motti will talk about it's one yeah. of England's best performances of all time but the, the morning of the um, Scotland game I had to get back I was in Manchester doing some work in Manchester for Goal Magazine when I was editing and I had to get back to London to make sure I made kick off get home first get changed and get up to the stadium so I left Manchester about 9 o'clock and uh, I was staying sort of near Deansgate Hotel, just around the corner from the Armdale Centre in Manchester. Mm. So I left at about nine, got on the road, got out of Manchester, started driving. Suddenly reports on the radio start coming in that uh, the centre of Manchester, just basically where I'd been, had been evacuated. Oh, yeah, of course. And then an hour or so later, the bomb went off. A huge bomb no, I uh, it. at the Arndale Centre, and the, quite a lot of the windows in the hotel I'd been in had been sort of blown out. I mean, I, I, I you know, you kind of look into these things after. I was on the other side of the hotel, and I probably would have been, you know, knocked out of bed, but it wouldn't have had the yeah, windows. Yeah, it but would have been a shock, a, a real yeah, shock yeah, to the sure. system. That's one of the abiding memories. You've been sending your stuff in, uh, guys. Um, I was so gutted with England losing in the semi, uh, says uh, Seats. That um, I had unused finals tickets I refused to sell to any German or Czech fans. <laughs> Very bitter. I, I did go to the final and got behind the Czechs because I'd seen them a couple of times along the way. Um, Watch the England Spain shootout on my own in a bar in Portugal, says uh, Jamie. When England won, the waiters all bought me a beer. Can you imagine? Did you didn't get to any of them? You were always you would have watched them in the fantasy football offices, probably yeah. with Frank and Dave, which would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, wouldn't it? Or, or I watched them at home. I think. Right. Even. Yeah. I mean, I watched it probably certainly as the World Cups. I watched all these games. It's great. I can't remember any of them. It's yeah. fantastic, <laughs> it? fantastic memory. Yeah. Um, we've we, we our old mate. I've got, I've got we've got a few more of these coming in. What else we got here? Um, this comes from uh, Jimmy Bob. He said, uh, being in Villa Park to watch an almost completely symmetrical half orange, half blue crowd as Scotland played out a nil nil with the Dutch, and then afterward going for a drink with the Dutch fans, only to find they'd been camping in Aston Park, which uh, if you just asked Frank, he would have said would have made them brave men. <laughs> right, okay. uh, he says. Yeah, I see. Okay. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. For that. Steve remembers going to watch the Czechs. First training session on Preston Grasshopper's rugby pitch. Yeah. Must have been a bit of great Darren, let's hear it. from Darren in Preston. Uh, before we're going to hear from Motti shortly, but Darren in Preston has been in touch. Hi, Darren. Hey, Darren, is he there? Let's see, we, we can't get him. He was there just now. He's uh, there. He's, he's gone. Oh, we'll try and get him back. All right, we'll get him. Is he there? He is there. Hello, Darren. Hello. 
Good man. Sorry, yeah, we we didn't have you through. So, uh, yeah, you you've got a memory of Euro '96. Take it away. Yeah, we um, we were training at university in Leeds because that's where the French team were based. Hmm. And uh, from out of nowhere, we got told we had to clear the changing rooms um, because the French national squad were coming in to use the facilities. Right. And as you are, you laugh and joke. Yeah, sure, whatever. You know what I mean. And uh, we finished training and come out of the changing rooms and all of a sudden there they are in a line. Jokaev, Desai, Bernard Lama, Deschamps, wow. the entire squad. Um, wow. And then we had the pleasure of sitting on the side of our own football pitches watching them train. Were they better than you? Go and be honest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> miles. <laughs> miles. That was a rhetorical better. question. It was It was unbelievable it yeah. really really was you know so so fortunate um but funnily enough what you've talked about about the semi-final and afterwards and, and coming to terms with it yeah. in our student house um i take norma sabutio stuff to university and uh as a sort of a ceremonial grieving we uh we lined the entire german squad up on a baking tray and melted them in the oven and sat around <laughs> the oven and watched them. <laughs> oh dear me well done. Uh, darren, i've still got the melted squad at home you've still kept it as a bit of memorabilia good man darren thanks very much uh, Darren impressed in there with his uh, memories. Uh, keep them coming. Talksport.com. Text 8 to 89. You can tweet to TSH and J. That's TSH. <laughs> Liverpool, A-N-D-J. My daughter being born days before it started meant I could take two weeks holiday as paternity leave. Or as there was no paternity leave, rather, in those days. Meant I could watch the football. I mean, help my wife, he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was living, working in Bristol, says our old mate journalist uh, Stuart Weir. On the Monday after Scotland v England, I was getting some real stick until I produced my betting slip. Shearer for first goal, England win 2-0. Oh. Being a grant to the good had eased my pain. So, yeah, good message. I've forgotten about Yuri Geller. We should have talked to Frank about that. Oh, he yeah, yeah. The ball moved. Yeah, he did say he did say he was going to move the ball. My old uh, former colleague, Andy Strickland, fond memories indeed. Think I covered all nine, I covered nine matches, including all England games for 90 Minutes magazine. Sat next to Hugh McIlvanny for the England-Holland oh, oh, game. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. We're taking you back to Euro 96 this afternoon. We said, sadly, all the Sporting Memories uh, Network uh, clubs are suspended at the moment, so we thought we'd have a little bit of a Sporting Memories session uh, for uh, half an hour. Taking you back to Euro 96, you're telling us your stories. Rhodesy says, I was bottle-feeding our first child when Gaza scored that goal. As I jumped up, the milk bottle flew through the air and George was being dangled in a headlock. Brackets, he survived. The look I got off the Lady Mayoress was troubling, uh, he <laughs> says. Uh, I was in the RAF in 84, says... Oh, that's, oh, this is a different story. It's on a different subject. We'll come back to that one. Uh, went... Uh, where's that one gone? Uh, went on holiday the day after the Dutch game to a tiny little green island called uh, Simi. My birthday was the day of the England semi-final. My mum called uh, uh, and said I'd won tickets to the final if England won. That's quite bittersweet, wow. really. Uh, that's from David Sink. Thanks for that one, Dave. And our uh, own Max Rushton was at the yeah. game, wasn't he? The uh, Which one was it? He was behind David Seaman's oh, yeah. goal. Uh, he said, I had a lucky elastic band. I pulled it as McAllister ran up. The rest is history. We can thank uh, Max then for that safe, not David Seaman. England 4, Holland 1, went to Parker's Peace in Cambridge afterwards and played 50 aside until it was pitch black glorious, he says. Uh, thanks, Max. That was the kind of thing you did, wasn't it, during those mm. tournaments? It was uh, amazing. It was a great time. You yeah. Know, summer and 
June, lovely weather. Yeah. yeah, I remember being at the England Scotland game and being next to some Scotland fans who were good lads. We had a we had a, a bit of gallows humour towards the end. They were singing, "We're going to win three two But <laughs> just, I've mentioned before, just at the end of the game, I was in this kind of corner where there was Scotland fans separating England fans, and it got a little bit leery. You know, England fans were kind of crowing, the Scotland fans were getting upset, and the, the whoever's in charge of the decks at Wembley that day put on "That's Amore" by. Uh, Dean Martin oh, okay. and it was a magic moment because it went all the malevolence went out of the air and, and people started singing and it, it kind of all seemed to go away it was fantastic I bet Motti was sitting at the top of yeah, his voice I bet he was uh, John Motson of course you heard him at the top of Three Lions he was so key brilliant commentaries throughout that tournament he joins us now good afternoon Motti Good afternoon, boys. How are you doing? Good, Not thank you. I mean, you? you've commentated on so many sort of big games, key moments for England uh, and cup finals over the years. Around some of those matches, as England kind of went through the tournament, did, did, did nerves ever get to you or did you just concentrate on the job? Well, I think I was just so pleased that England were doing well because, of course, I'd commentated on so many disappointing moments uh, for England in major championships. And... Um, I think it was excitement, really. I mean, I heard Frank Skinner there saying the whole stadium was in such a ferment when he, when, uh, he was singing. And, and, and quite honestly, uh, the whole thing just comes back to me so easily. I mean, even when Frank said Paborski scored that goal, I think Peter Schmeichel was in goal, wasn't yeah, he, yes. for Denmark that night? Yeah, and I was there as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think we all got, we all got wrapped up in, it, in, in our own way, um, Paul, you know? I mean... As a commentator, you know, obviously you were concentrating on what you were doing, but golly, I remember jumping out my seat when Gaza scored that goal against Scotland. Amazing, yeah. What, what other games did you do in that tournament? Sort of memorable England? beyond beyond England, yeah, John. Beyond did England, were there any others that, that stick out? I remember a prolonged penalty shootout at Old Trafford, in which uh, there were so many penalties. I think France were playing. Um, and uh, or maybe it was the Czechs who were up in the north as well. But um, at one point, they went that one of the players tried to take a penalty twice because <laughs> they'd lost track of the rotation. I remember that bit was p- pretty tricky to deal with. But no, I mean, I think um, <laughs> looking back on it now, uh, the England-Scotland game has to stand out, obviously. Um, and uh, really, every match got a hold of you, didn't it? <laughs> Excuse me, because of the tension that was that was there and the excitement. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even the first game, John, wasn't it? I mean, it was a, it was funny because England did get ahead of steam up. We forget. I, again, I went to that first match, the the opening ceremony, and the and the George and the Dragon nonsense on the pitch. And then yes. we had the first game against the Swiss, and we weren't great, were we? It was really disappointing after all the kind of build up. Yes, it was a very nervous 1-1 draw, wasn't it? And, and until that game, Shearer had gone about six or seven matches without scoring. Everybody was very wound up. And, of course, we, we conceded a penalty in that game as well. And then penalties became a... Without going too far with the story, which everybody knows how it ended, but penalties were, were very... Um, persistently interrupting things as it were because I, I remember that penalty um, you know in, in the Swiss game and, and then obviously the, the shootout against Spain when David Seaman made his well didn't make his name but enhanced his reputation and um, 
It was, it was, it really was. It kept you absolutely grit, didn't it? And not just there, but everybody watching on television. I mean, everybody, as you've just gone through in the last half hour, um, so many people have got their own personal story of, of whereabouts they were, either in the stadium or sitting at home, and they've all got a, a particular memory of an incident or something like that. And, and we hadn't had a tournament since 1966, had we? So it, it was unique in its own way, and we hadn't really had one since so it will stand alone I think Euro 96 in, in the memories of so many millions of people. Absolutely. Hopefully Euro 2021 will be uh, you know a great. I mean, I think there's going to be when we do get back playing again. There's going to be going to be such a sort of sense of relief, isn't there? I think people are. That's going to be hopefully a, a kind of great uh, pan-European party now. In some ways, in light of what's happened. Mm. I kind of feel slightly differently about the fact that the love's going to be shared uh, this time rather than it being in one place because it, it kind of feels a bit more fitting all of yeah, a sudden. Yeah, hopefully if everything's all right. It's interesting, Motti, you should say there about the penalty shootout. The one you witnessed was 6-5 to uh, Czech Republic. Yeah. But there were two in the quarterfinals, penalty shootouts, t- both semifinals. So yeah. It shows you really that the yeah. tournament was tight. Very much so, and um, it all added to the uh, the tension, clearly. But, I mean, the tournament as a whole is a great success. I mean, um, the fact that, every, as you say, unlike what we shall see next year, hopefully, um, it was all in England, and uh, we were moving around from place to place, and um, you could get into the training camps quite easily then. Uh, you wouldn't get into them quite as easily now. Um, but I remember, I remember the, the Russians' opening game was at Anfield, I believe. I covered that one, and um, you know, seeing seeing all this happening on our own club grounds had its own little bit of magic, by the way. Quite apart from Wembley. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, John, we will Thanks, we will team. catch up with you soon. We appreciate you joining us. We'll speak to you soon, John. Thanks. No, no, I think you boys are doing great, keeping the show going. Thanks very much, John. All the best. That's John Motson there, uh, a regular guest with us in the studio usually. But thanks for all your tales. As John said, you've been telling us all your stories. Uh, Joe Tung's been in touch, uh, agent, a friend of uh, ours, friend of the show. She says, making me so nostalgic. Euro 96 was my first job in football, age 17. Now, you can try and leave my A-level exams early to run to Wembley to work (laughs) on the evening games. Umbro really? gave me the best kits to wear in the media centre. I thought I was the bee's knees. Wow, Joe's got all the pictures of all the programmes from uh, from all of the games. Yeah, I went lots to, of nice memories yeah. from all of you. Uh, I was in the RAF in 84, uh, so I keep doing that one, and it's not related to Euro 96, <laughs> but I'll come on to it later. Uh, but it's teasing that one, isn't it? My memory of Euro 96, <laughs> I was 27 <laughs> and working in London in HR for a big IT consultancy with no chance of tickets. The Friday before the Spain quarterfinal, one of the partners I worked for called at about 5 30 he said, what are you up to this weekend? I just said, watching the football. He said, would you like to go? Would wow. you like to go? <laughs> no. He got hold of two tickets via Peter Schmeichel, whose children were at the same school as his boss's kids. Made my day to say least, rang my dad and made his day too. Brilliant tickets, lower tier, right in front of where we won on penalties. Brilliant atmosphere. No one left at the end. And we all stayed in the ground singing for ages after the final whistle, says Mandy from Chelmsford. And um, I, had a, I had a hernia operation, says one of the listeners, just before the tournament started and had to recover watching it the best thing was the supermarkets did packs of beers from all the uh, countries competing so look thanks for all of them uh, this afternoon we squeezed in as many as we possibly could the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport
Yes, it's time then for Martin Kellner's week of sport on TV. And, and after another week of wall-to-wall live sport, there'll be really no trouble for Martin <laughs> Kellner to take us... He never really does sport ...methodically anyway. <laughs> through every major sporting event that has unfolded in the last six days. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon, boys. Oh, oh, listen, listen to you in oh, broadcast yeah. quality. <laughs> Very loud. From, from if you knew, if you knew <laughs> the trouble I've been to to get, it's unbelievable. I've been. I was trying to find this. I, I must thank uh, Kevin Leach. Mm. Kevin Leach, good old mate of mine. I've known him since he was uh, just a sort of little lad, not but a kid at uh, BBC Radio Leeds. Now he runs this whole uh, IPTDL thing, which you'll be familiar with. Ah. Maybe one of t- one of the yeah. two of the listeners won't know what I'm talking about, but he, he runs all that. And he's, he, he sort of talked me through the whole thing. You know, very much, right, go to settings. Right, look, check system preferences. Scroll down. <laughs> yeah. It was all that, all that business. But bless him, he's, he's done it. And I seem to have um, got on air, which is great news. Uh, I know. Uh, Andy and I have just been we through a very similar thing. thing we, are, we should yes. point out to listeners that much like a number of the... We have, we have a fail-safe. Um, should we have to go into self-isolation, one of our yeah. family members gets it. We are, we're able to broadcast from home, but we've had a very similar uh, sort of a techno <laughs> chat. Down, we've been oh, talked... Yeah, but a bit like landing you, a jumbo. You don't realise that the techno guy said to us, Declan, he said to me, he said, oh, I was on the phone with you 40 minutes last night. Whereas Paul, he just seems to say, I'm in, it's fine, it's all done. <laughs> well, I just plug mine straight into a router and it just starts... My equipment's different to Andy's, but I, I've got the same leave it, Martin. That's that's a smutty yeah. gag you've got there. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, one um, of what? Yeah, sorry. Carry on. Yeah, so well, there was just one little bit of cable which hmm. um, which Amazon was supposed to be sending me and said it, they would have it ready for 9 o'clock tonight. And I had a long conversation with them saying, that's no good. I was on Amazon Prime. Uh, I've been on Amazon Prime for a while, which suddenly turned into Amazon Subprime <laughs> when I needed to get this bit of cable. Uh, so I went into various branches of PC World and they looked on their system and they said, the newest one to you, and I was in the centre of Leeds at this time, the newest one to you is Bridlington. And I thought, well, I, you know, I like a day at the seaside as much as the next man. But really, yeah. Bridlington, which, I mean, Bridlington's full of old people like me. I really don't <laughs> want to be going to Bridlington. Mean, people are so old in Bridlington. Shop windows are bifocal. Um, hey, nice. Thank you. I'm, Brilliant. I was about to say I'm here all week, but yeah. I don't know whether I trust the equipment to say I'm here all week. But, but there you go. So anyway, there's, been, there's been plenty to watch, isn't there? There has been loads to watch. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, uh, Sky are putting all sorts of features. You know, if you go into catch up a lot of the features that have been running which i have talked about actually they're, mm. they're running again you know short programs there's a jimmy greaves documentary which i have talked about in the past mm. but the best thing i watched this week was uh the steve mcqueen uh the man yeah, and I, Le Mans, i've got that recorded brilliant. andy has seen it i haven't but it looks very very good Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. I mean, Steve McQueen was one of these people who was such a star. Mm. I mean, we know him obviously on The Great Escape, Thomas Crown Affair, Bullet and all that. But, you know, he lived as a star and he'd been brought up in very sort of reduced circumstances. He was brought up on a farm in the state of Missouri and he said he couldn't... The great thing about it is they've got loads of interviews that have never been heard before. And uh, he, Steve McQueen, I mean, he's not quite Marlon Brando and he's not quite James Dean, <laughs> but he's almost, do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, especially if you, if you grew up with those great films in the 70s. Yeah. You know, he is almost, he is, people talk about, oh, so-and-so is an iconic figure. 
you know, they might say Andy Jacobs is an iconic figure. Well, they do, of course. When, obviously, they, they do. do. And, you know, <laughs> various people you have on, they say, oh, an iconic figure. Hmm. But he really was. He hmm. really was. And, and obviously part of that was because uh, he died quite young. He, he died in 1980. Uh, and it starts with um, a little bit of audio of him when he was being treated for cancer in uh, Mexico. Hmm. Um, he was born 1930, died 1980. So he sort of conform to that uh, live fast die young die pretty yeah which, which she certainly did i mean really i mean i'm not going to make any any jokes about you know 40 years of unbridled heterosexuality or whatever um but even so you you look at steve mcqueen and uh, he he was a fantastic figure and of course <laughs> his, his, his he was iconic yes his t- <laughs> You I thought, thought he was a good-looking man. But you don't I want thought to he say. was a good-looking man. Well <laughs> yeah, said, Andy. Good. Very, yeah. very good-looking. But even more than that, you know, more than that, charismatic, um, but also, um, also a perfectionist. Mm. Uh, he, he said, he said himself is a perfectionist. Various other people said he was a perfectionist, and there is that thin dividing line between a perfectionist and a complete pain in the backside <laughs> and you you did feel you know that at times he may have strayed into that area but it was a great um it, it was a great interview with some of the drivers who were in the movie because i don't know whether you're familiar with the story but basically they re-ran the whole race mm. after it already been run but with the same drivers so you know you see, you watch a football movie and you see cutaways yeah. and the cutaway you know of the real action and then you go into the you know the actors i'm talking about old movies and the recreated stuff and it doesn't look right so they used exactly the same drivers in exactly the same race and there were some great interviews with these guys it was 1970 Mm-hmm. I think 1970 the race, 1971 the movie. Yeah, um, and it's great interviews. And they said, "Brilliant! You know, we got two hundred, uh, got two hundred dollars a day." And uh, they gave us all, I could try and remember the car now, uh, they gave us all Porsche 911s nice. to, trun- yeah, to trundle around in. I'm not sure you trundle no, yeah. in a Porsche. <laughs> it's probably the last thing you do in a Porsche is trundle. Yeah. Um, he made two films that year. He made I, the film I went and saw. I, my my neighbours were massively into sort of uh, bikes, motorbikes, and they, he made a film called On Any Sunday, which I think was uh, yes, uh, shortlisted for an one. Oscar. But that was mm. all about. It was a complete celebration of of motocross and motorbike, motorbike yeah. riding. I remember going to see that at the time when I was a kid. Total speed freak. Mm. He, I mean, he really was, and you know, he, he loved that almost as much as he loved the uh, the movie, uh, the movies. But of course, also a producer because he produced the uh, Le Mans film. And I'll give you the quote that he said. Where he says, "I'm not a compromiser." He said. Right. Uh, he also said, "I like women, but I'm a little afraid of them." Right. Okay. okay. I think we all are. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 there. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's available. Uh, it's, it was on BBC Four the other it's night. It's still there on the iPlayer. Now, and it's the best thing that I've seen for ages. I, right. I thought it was great. Certainly, if, if you're a movie star and you're familiar with uh, Steve McQueen, yeah. it's absolutely brilliant. They're also they've also got on iPlayer uh, the 1976. Um, James Hunt, Nicky Lauder rivalry. There's a program about that. That's yeah, good. Too. Uh, featuring mainly the 1976 um, Grand Prix okay. and everything. And certainly, people will be. It was only this week, wasn't it? It was announced that the uh, the three Grand Prix that were still remaining yeah. were going to be called off. And Le Mans was so, called off this or postponed and, this week and, as well. So yeah, yeah it yeah, was. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, if you are a, a motorsport fan. 
you can't do better than to go on to be. I mean, obviously, only when Hawksby and Jacobs is finished. Of course, but you can't. Of course, <laughs> but you <laughs> can't do better to watch yeah. those two things. And, the, and there was another one. And as not well, overnight on talk radio. Yeah, you but don't no, listen to between hours radio. of one and five a.m. Saturday uh, and Sunday. Well, just hoping this thing holds up. I, I daren't touch anything. It's sounding good, this, Martin. It's sounding, it's sounding good. It's like you're terrible like you're in Skype the room. mic. Yeah, the Skype. Did, well, no, I'm using the same mic. I don't know why. Uh, obviously, I didn't have the, the correct I plugged settings it in on properly. it. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. plugged it in properly. You know, the correct settings. Yeah, go to uh, settings, mm. and then what you want to do <laughs> is go to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, try plugging it in. Yeah. Turn it on and off again. Martin, you've correct. often mentioned over the years the 30 for 30 series. I know... It's one of your favourites. And I see BT, I went through last night. They're showing virtually all of them again. If you just BT2 and you just go through and just pre-record them and Mm. you won't be able to watch them all at once. They're quite long, but they're they're great, aren't they? Oh, they're brilliant. And I have to say, um, Spurs versus West Ham won't be on the TV tonight. It won't be. I I keep going on live sport to see what would have been on. Yeah. And uh, you could have been watching uh, Spurs versus uh, West Ham. I try not to torture myself with that. Let's not do that. Um, If you do get a chance to watch one called uh, a 30 for 30 called Once Brothers, that is highly recommended. Oh, that's fantastic. That's That's really good. So uh, from... uh, from the world of basketball it's a fantastic film but uh, we won't ruin it for you but it's uh, a very powerful story so uh, check that one out but just, there's not there's not really a duff one Martin in, is there in the series they're all really no, good they're quality all, they're all good uh, something else that Sky are repeating uh, and nauseam is uh, Inside Super League which bizarrely is a build up to the Castle for St Helens match last weekend right so spoiler alert it was a fairly you know yeah, terrible uh, game one sided ultimately it wasn't a great game it was yeah. uh, it was one sided Sort of behind yeah. the scenes, is it? Is it? Kind it of is. A walk- They've got oh, okay. a player cam. They've well, that's got a good. Player cam. And it's quite good. That sounds good. Um, mm. There's a guy called Tyler Heppy who mm. was playing in France, and the question they ask him is: a players interviewing other players, really. And the question they ask him: How does Castleford compare with Toulouse? <laughs> now, I've been to Toulouse. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm one of the few people who've been to Toulouse and Castleford. <laughs> oh, right. right and, okay. uh, Whose know, sausages are better? Yeah, well, if I well, the Castleford Market's quite good. Yeah. There are some, you know, little butcher's stands there. Nice. But I would say, having been to both Castleford and Toulouse, if I would, if I were asked the question, how does Castleford compare with Toulouse? I'd probably say unfavourable <laughs> would, be, would be my answer. That's the mayor of Castle would be straight on the phone, <laughs> wouldn't he? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. So listening back then to... I mean, in those moments of tension, you weren't particularly keen on France, were you? No. <laughs> A third world country. <laughs> But when you're sitting there with your glass of wine in David Coulthard's hotel, you felt slightly different oh, yeah, about absolutely. it. Yeah, and the great train journey. But it was, look, you know, yeah. it was a bit of fun. Anyway, uh, we'll reconvene on Monday from one. Thanks for listening this week. We'll endeavour uh, to keep the shows uh, coming out despite the lack of sport. And uh, we hope you have a good, safe, pleasant weekend. And we will catch up with you on Monday from one. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.